The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. I, I worry about the Saints defense. They give up too many big plays. Uh, I'm going Bucks at home. It's Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay. Well, the Saints offense has Michael Thomas back. That's going to really help them. But my boys at Foster's Barbershop say Bucks all the way. Oh, you got to Barbershop's got the Bucks. Gotta I got to go with them. Is the Barbershop pictured back in We're the in trouble, though. Tampa somewhere back We're there. in trouble. Oh, We're going to get trolled by New Orleans if things don't happen the way we Oh, the trolling began quickly. At least they waited until the game was over because with Tom Brady, you never quite know what he's going to do, Chris Sims. But yes, trolling happened. And we weren't the only ones. NFL Network's pregame show was entirely on the Bucs. There was some ESPN programming entirely on the Bucs. Emmanuel Sanders. Hey, look, let's remember that. Let's file that away. For the next time the Saints lose a game, they're supposed to win. The next time the Saints lose a game, they're favored in. See, that's the thing. We're not allowed to rub it in their faces yeah. when they fail to do what they're supposed to do. This is more about the Buccaneers failing to do what they were supposed to do. They're the ones you should be trolling. We're just the ones who universally looked at this as a game where the Buccaneers should win. We didn't fail. We didn't play. The Buccaneers did. But we're the ones that get it. That's well, fine. I understand. But I can't wait to give it to the Saints the next time they they lose to the Falcons when they shouldn't. Yeah, I know. Well, it's the psyche of an NFL football player. Well, I don't understand the players tweeting at the show and doing all that. For one, like you weren't watching the pregame show. You were getting ready for a game. So you don't really know we picked them, okay? I mean, you just found out afterwards. And I understand players are going to use motivation, whatever, but this is not a motivational tactic. And I am. I'm, I'm with you. I'm just – I'm sick of it. And it's like, it's got to, I got, I, I thought about last night. Hey, you know, a few weeks ago, the Denver Broncos did it to me with the new England Patriots. I all day yesterday. All I thought about was I should send a tweet out to Denver as Matt Ryan's going up the field for the seventh time today, but I didn't, but either way, how dare we say the bucks were going to win? I mean, the saints, they've gone to overtime with the bears and tried their best to lose it. They weren't that impressive against the Carolina Panthers the week before that. They went to overtime against the Chargers. I mean, the Lions, it went down to the, the end of that football game. So, I mean, what what in New Orleans just makes you think we were going to sit there and just go, well, no, I mean, the Saints, they're unbelievable. There's no way they're going to lose this game. So, you know, yeah, we picked the Bucks, but sorry, and you proved us wrong, and you kicked some butt, and now we're going to discuss how you kicked some butt. And it was windy. And Drew Brees entered the game with a shoulder injury. Yeah. All the signs pointed to the Buccaneers winning, which is why everybody picked the Buccaneers to win. Everybody who picks games picked the Buccaneers to win. And maybe at some level, that dynamic that they begin to sense in the locker room, sure. because even though they didn't see our show, 
because they were on the field getting ready for kickoff. They saw all the other shows. You're right. They knew. That's true. And Sean Payton is good enough of a coach that he can take that and use that as the last little thing oh. to get his guys riled up. And so, and here's the thing. If, if we anticipate that, see, we, we're in a no-win position. I'm not complaining. I'm just fascinated by it. If you factor into your analysis, well, if everyone picks the Bucks, then the Saints are going to win. Then people start picking the Saints. It takes that factor away to the extent that that factor ends up being a motivator, Chris. No, I, I, I know it does. But I think, you know, what you said early in the day, Sean Payton, those type of things, they watch everything there in New Orleans. We both know that, okay? You know, they're, they are the type of team that, oh, you're saying about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't pay attention to the media. Bull crap. They know it. You know, we've gotten text messages and things like that throughout our careers and things like that. So they're paying attention, and I'm sure they were writing notes. And ultimately, I mean, what we saw was we saw one team who was like, wait, we're the kings in the NFC South. Who the hell do you think you are? You know, you're not as good as you think you are. And we're, we're battle-tested, a football team that's been together for years and years and knows what it's like to overcome a little adversity and play in these big games. And then you saw another team who was like, hey, we got Antonio Brown. It's Tampa. It's Sunday Night Football. It's an awesome show. We haven't been on here in like 13 years. We're going to put a show on for you, everybody out there. And the Saints are like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, how's that show? Oh, okay, yeah, let's keep going. Boom, boom, boom. And the game was over. I mean, that's really how it went. It was unbelievable. Well, it happened so fast, too, that the Buccaneers never really had a chance to catch no. their breath. It was 28 nothing before you settle in with your first bowl of popcorn and your first bottle of beer. <laughs> and I kept thinking maybe there's a way that Tom Brady and company can turn this around. But this is where you got to credit the Saints. You, you never get yourself into a spot where you're in a Falcons type of a jam if you never let the opponent yeah, right, breathe. Right. And and that's where I got to give the Saints, Sean Payton, Dennis Allen a ton of credit. They never let the Buccaneers breathe. They never let them think there was an opening, that there was an opportunity to get back into the game. No, I, I think it's uh, a really good point by you because that, that's why I, I think that's where to start is the Saints defense, what they did. You know, this is a top 10 defense in football. This is where they've been frustrating this year. They have moments in every game where they're just dominant and nobody can do anything, but then they let up a big bomb or two big bombs and a big run, and you're just like, what? How did that team just dominate the last four series and then do that? But last night it all came together. It really did. And, you know, I think with, with Brady and company there too, you know, there was never an establishment of physicality on the offensive side of the ball at any point. And the Saints came out on defense and really, like, got up in the face of, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I don't know if that surprised Tampa or what, but, I mean, lots of people at the line of scrimmage, DBs in the face of Mike Evans and everybody else, like, we're not scared of you. Here we are. We're going to make you have to throw in a man coverage into tight windows, do all that. And then Tampa came out almost like, I don't know, maybe I'm offbeat here, Mike, but, I mean – it's like they came out just going, we're going to get in the shotgun and we're going to throw on you and you can't stop us. We got Brown and Evans and Godwin and Gronk and that's just the way it's going to be. And 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 it was just a totally different approach from the other side of the ball. And there you see, it's only four rushes really from the running backs. And to me, that was the, the biggest out or thing that popped to me in the game is one team really got in the face of the other. And even with Drew Brees on the offensive side of the ball, I know it wasn't about physicality and running, but it was tempo, it was quick passes, it was crisp. They had a game plan as far as how they wanted to attack that way, and the Bucks just couldn't get anything going on offense, couldn't get out of their own end zone to even create field position. I mean, that was how bad it was. Yeah, and uh, look, it, it yeah, it wasn't supposed to be that way. And who the hell knows why it happened or how it happened. The Buccaneers played them much better in week one when Tom Brady was just getting his feet wet as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, look, I, I think that if you would have forced any Saints fan to put money on that game, to put their deed on that game, yeah, to put anything of value on that game last night, they would have taken 
the Buccaneers. I saw some people who cover the Saints regretting that they picked the Buccaneers to win. Everything was pointing in that direction. And it, it was just one of those nights. And I think that's what you have to do if you're the Buccaneers. You just have to look at it and say it was one of those nights and we need to forget about it the same way we would forget about a blowout victory. Right. Here's a oh, little okay. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady talking about last night's beatdown by the Saints. It was shocking to know, just watch this practice, where we practiced all week, the confidence we had coming in. Uh, yeah, I, we have to go back and look in the mirror, coaches, players, everybody, just from yesterday to today and, you know, another where we go three and out and then give up a touchdown. Um, second half, I thought we, we got to turn over and we don't score a touchdown. I thought that kind of was the end of it right then and there. And uh, But... I mean, I have to give New Orleans credit. They, they kicked our ass in every phase. When things don't go your way, you know, sometimes they just they keep going that way, and you got to figure out how to stop it and then turn it around. And we had our opportunities, and we just didn't do it. So we got to learn from it, and, um, you know, hopefully we can learn from it and be better next week. So it's not about predicting the future. You know, I'm not here to say this is what we're going to do based on losing a game. We're, we're going to get back to work and try to do a lot better next week. Yeah, and they've got the Carolina Panthers up next, and the Panthers look pretty damn good on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not going to be easy for the Bucks no. the rest of the way. You start looking down the line, they have the Chiefs coming up. They've got the Rams. They've got a Vikings team that's won a couple in a row. They still play the Falcons twice, and the Falcons are getting hot. So the Buccaneers have to forget about this, but they also have to figure out what went wrong. They have to prevent it from happening again. I see you down there, Bingo Square. Look, it's relevant to look at the schedule. Everybody's looking ahead at the schedule. Is everybody getting a bingo sign? No. On, not on the networks of NBC show, when they talk about the schedule? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Rico did it last night, and I wanted bingo to I wanted to see bingo on the screen. But anyway, it's not going to be any easier well, for the Buccaneers. And it's amazing how quickly one day, how one how one 90-minute slice of a day changes your entire perception of two teams Chris well yeah yes it does but I mean th this is where I think we got to keep it a little bit into the big picture here just with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know th this is where I'm oh it's a little concerning for as far as the way the loss went last night and how physically dominant the Saints were and how good Drew Brees and the offense moved the ball in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense it's the second week in a row we've seen the Buccaneers lose the physical battle that's where it's like a little concerning to me. The Giants pushed the Buccaneers around two weeks ago. That was one of the you know the things that I looked at the Bucs to go, they, they got a standard here. They win the battle up front against just about anybody. But on defense, they're showing that Vita Vea, him being hurt, is a big deal. Their pass rush, their run defense, certainly not as good. And, you know, I, I, last week, of course, with the Giants and everything they did and pressure and Brady and all that, that's where it's a little bit like, okay, Tampa, you know, what, what's what's the deal here, really? And uh, I, I am interested to see, like, this is, this is going to be interesting to see because it's a young team as far as how close they are together, how long they've played together. Here we got a little adversity. You know, I know they got Brady and company, but they haven't gone through anything like this. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back and everything. You know, there's an alternate universe where Jason Pierre-Paul manages to catch a pass that was thrown right to him by Drew Brees when it was scoreless and takes off the other way, and Brees can't catch him, and it's 7 nothing Buccaneers, and the game plays out from there. And it just shows you how, and it usually is two or three of those per game where it can go either way, but that one right out of the gates, who knows, maybe the final score would have been 38-10 instead of 38-3. But, but when you have an opportunity like that and it just doesn't work out and the, the, the avalanche begins against you, it, it, you just wonder, Chris, if, if it would have been any different if Pierre Paul can hang on to that football. Well, listen, I mean, sure. Yeah, that'll, dictate, that'll change the, the flow of the game, certainly. I mean, yeah, you, you know, you're putting a pressure on a team right off the bat. Now they get the ball back, and, you know, the defense has the momentum and everything like that. But, you know, regardless, that didn't happen, and the Buccaneers' offense was incapable of doing anything. At no point did they try to establish the line of scrimmage with the run game. They came out. It's like they read their press clippings. Like, like they, oh, we're not, you can't match up with us across the board. 
And New Orleans obviously had a really good feel for where Tampa wanted to throw the ball in certain formations. Tampa has been at their best when they've been able to run the ball and run play-action pass. Not when they come out running shotgun and doing what you saw last night. And, you know, you saw, too, offensive line get pushed around for the second week in a row as far as protecting Brady, had people around him there. But the fact that they couldn't even get out of their own way, I think, is just as concerning as anything. That they couldn't move the ball to even flip the field position. They made the game easy for Drew Brees and company. There was just never any life or spark or fight from Tampa Bay that really ever made you think they could win the football game. Even when Jared Cook fumbled on the two-yard line, you were like, well, let's see. Maybe Tampa can get a little momentum, do something here. Nope, one, two, three, four, you're out, punt the ball. Oh, New Orleans goes down, scores. And and uh, that's where I was surprised, Mike. Just the they outcoached them. Tampa, who's been physical and in-your-face type of football team all year, too. I don't know if Michael Thomas being back, but they played zone coverage and seemed to be like, whoa, we're scared of you guys. And I think in a lot of ways that plays into the hands of Drew Brees because it's zone coverage. And then all of a sudden, Sean's like, hey, Drew, go to the short passes. Go to the short passes. Here we go. And and it's ding, doom, 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 doom. And all of a sudden, he's surgical and they're unstoppable. And Drew got in a nice rhythm last night and played really well. Yeah, I don't know that we've seen it enough for it to be a trend. No, but but it's it's Tom it Brady, could be coming. Tom Brady's had three primetime games this year with the no. Buccaneers, and they have not been good in any of them. I don't know if it's just Tom's getting a little older, and by nighttime he's tired. But they lose to the Bears. They barely beat the Giants last Monday night. Right, and then last night's debacle. Brady three interceptions, a forty point four passer rating. Drew Brees, four touchdown passes, no picks. And Brees is now 5-2 and all-time against Tom Brady. And after the game when Michelle Tafoya was interviewing Drew Brees, Emmanuel Sanders came over and was yelling, the real goat. Here's the real goat. And look, I know Brady's got the rings, but Drew Brees has the numbers. He caught and passed Tom Brady last night for the all-time passing touchdown record, and he's 5-2 and head-to-head -head against Tom Brady, and that, Chris, has got to drive Brady insane. Well, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt, but, you know, Drew Brees, the Saints, whatever it is, it's just they, they've rise to the occasion. They're a good football team. It's a really damn good coach, Sean Payton, Drew Brees. There's, there's you know, there's so much to respect about them and the way they've run their organization, how tough they are. You know, the last few years – you know, the way we've always talked about these seasons have ended, and here they are again, 6-2, and two, rounding into what we went into in the weekend going, the Saints are good, but I'm not sure how good. I mean, we've talked about how they have the potential to be one of the more complete teams, but we hadn't really seen that game this year, and this was the first one where we went, damn, this is the Saints team we've seen the last few years who just have moments of just steamrolling other teams and running them over. So, you know, maybe that's what they needed, just a little shot in the arm to go, wait, you know, hell, Tampa, you think you're hot crap? Okay, well, we're coming into town here, and we'll see what you got. And uh, I'd say watch out for the Saints now. I mean, the way that looked and that type of win, that can really jumpstart you, get you confident, and get everything going. And let's go ahead and get the bingo call early on this one because the 49ers are up next, and that's not nearly <laughs> – the level of competition it was a year ago, but I would not write off the 49ers in any set of circumstances. They play the Falcons twice in three weeks, and the Falcons are not going to go easy on the Saints. The Falcons hate the Saints, and the Saints hate the Falcons, but still, the Falcons aren't the juggernaut they once were, even though they've won three out of four. The Broncos are in there. The Eagles, Chiefs, Vikings, and Panthers left for the Saints. A lot of winnable games. More winnable games for the Saints than for the Buccaneers. Yeah. And the Saints now have a one-game lead in the loss column over the Bucks, and they've got that critical head-to-head right. -head sweep, which means the Buccaneers have to finish a game ahead of the Saints or the Saints win that division. And last night went a long way toward showing that the Saints are in position to win that division. So if the Bucks are getting to the playoffs this year... They got to go the wild card route. They got to do it the hard way. They got to go on the road. And that that makes for a much tougher path back to Tampa for Super Bowl 55, Chris. Yeah, well, it definitely does. It's, it's a year where 
you really just want the number one seed so you don't have to play three playoff games before you go to the Super Bowl. That's really it is. That's that's, that's all that that's all that matters. I mean, you wrote an article on PFT this week. Home field advantage means nothing this year. I mean, it means absolutely nothing. It's all about hey, it'd just be cool to get the one seed so you can have a week off. Who cares? You know, who cares? Two through seven. Who gives a damn this year? Really, just get in the tournament. Oh, great. You know, oh, yeah, you got to go play uh, the Rams with 10 people in the stadium. Oh, whoop-dee-doo. I mean, who cares where you got to go on the road, whatever it is. It's all about that number one seed this year. And they're positioning themselves, especially with the way the Seahawks looked yesterday, you know, again, to where you go, all right, here you go. Saints got it going. And this is where the Saints are dangerous because now they got the lead last night. Sean Payton just lets it all fly, right? Now it's the Taysom Hill plays are coming out everywhere. And that's only going to embolden them because now he got to run those plays. And now what's next? The plays that come off them. So now the next team that plays the Saints is going to look at Taysom Hill and some of the things they did. Ooh, this is what they did with Michael Thomas. And now Sean Payton has a little chip to go, oh, this is, the, this is called the screw you chip. These are the things you saw last week. And now we're going to do a vice versa and change it all around. And this is, this is where he can usually go on a run and start to get hot as a play caller, play designer. And we've seen this from the Saints. The last few years, kind of slow starters. And maybe this was it this year. Maybe it took to halfway through the year to wake up and now start to dominate the league. And last night was the first time this year we've seen Taysom Hill used like he was right. in the playoff loss to the Vikings where he was the best player on the field. He had two passes last night, which is one more than he's had in any game this year, completed both for 48 yards. He was the team's leading rusher last night with over 50. He had a catch for 21 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but he did everything except score a touchdown, and he had that bull in a china shop mentality where you just got to get out of his way once he gets ahead of steam it's got a derrick henry quality to it where once he gets going you don't want to get hit by Taysom hill so look the comparisons are all over the place last night there was a suggestion by chris collinsworth that he's like tim tebow i don't know whether that's a compliment or an insult i think <laughs> at a certain level yeah. it's, it's an insult to compare him to tim tebow he may run like tebow but he doesn't pass like tebow he passes accurately but if we see more and more Taysom Hill, if that offense diversifies, oh, it, it almost just felt like without Michael Thomas, they were whole, they were just trying to hold it together until right. Thomas came back. And they weren't sure what to do. And it was just like, let's just hold it together and win as many games as we can. And then when Thomas comes back, we get the offense we want. I, I think so. In a lot of ways, the fact that they kind of survived without Michael Thomas for so long, I think is it's really just going to make them better. You know, I think all you got to do is look at the stat sheet the last two weeks. You know, look at the Bears game. Look at this game. How many people touched the ball on the New Orleans Saints football team? In the run game and the pass game. It's not just the two running backs. So many people have different carries on a different week. And the ball is spread out through everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. But now they got Michael Thomas back to where, oh, it's a big situation. We can go to him. And then, oh, you're double teaming them. Well, we've had lots of practice without them, and we've found other ways to get the other guys the ball too. And that that can, in the end, in the end game, really be a blessing for New Orleans that they had to kind of find offense without Michael Thomas and kind of diversify that way. Uh, so it's encouraging, and we'll see where the Saints go. But like you said, the schedule sets up for them to kind of go in a run and maybe separate themselves here from the Buccaneers to a degree, and you know, really make a push for, for this number one seed. But a very impressive win. Dominant, awesome job by Sean Payton. Offensive line, protected Breeze all night long. Defensive line, whooped the crap out of the Bucks, And they showed that they are the kings of the South once again. 12 different receivers caught passes last Man. night for the New Orleans Saints. 12 of them. And none of them had more than one target that they didn't catch. That, that it was just, you know, the incompletions right. were spread around right. to each guy, one each. And uh, it's incredible to see these numbers just lay out, right, isn't just it? cascade down. I know. With all those different guys. Usually it's impressive if, if there's six or seven. There were 12 last night, different receivers who caught passes for the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, we talk about playoff positioning, tiebreakers. The Saints are 6-2. and two, The Packers are 6-2. and two. The Packers were the big winners this weekend Definitely. because the Packers don't hold the tiebreaker with the Bucks. They do hold the tiebreaker with the Saints. 
dating back to a Sunday night game where I think I picked the Packers to win. Yeah. And I think the Packers beat the Saints, and I don't think the Saints Twitter account had anything to say about it then. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> but but now, now they got to worry about the Packers. Yeah. Apples to apples. They finished with the same record as the Packers. The Packers get the one seed, and the Saints have to play out three games to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, it uh, that it's going to be interesting to watch there. And the Packers are one of those teams, again, I mean, I know they looked good the other night against that 49ers football team who was decimated, all-time decimated, as we said. But they're a team we've looked at and said there are some flaws on their football team to where them getting the number one seed and having to play one last game just shakes it out to where, yep, there's one less team that they have to deal with that has a flaw or anything like that. So uh, that, that that will come or prove to probably be a big game. Uh, but there's so much football left to be played. The Packers still got to play the Bears twice. I know they got the Tennessee Titans on the schedule. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. But, uh, you know, let's see if the Saints can really capitalize on this and, and do what we think they might be capable of doing here, which is kind of round themselves into – the best, most complete team in the NFC. We knew they had the potential. We hadn't seen that yet. Defense has always had a few moments. Offense has had a few moments. And that's why we picked the Bucks last night. I mean, Drew Brees tried to throw interceptions to lose the game last week against the Bears. Nobody makes – the Bears can't make big plays on offense against anybody. And they were making big plays against the Saints. So those are the reasons we were concerned and why we picked the Bucks. But they fixed those. Good for them. And uh, I'm excited to see what they do with this win. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers debuted Antonio Brown last night. I was told before the game that the target for his total snaps on offense was somewhere between 29, 25. He ended up with 39 snaps, 78% participation in the team's offense, three catches for 31 yards on five targets. There was one where he kind of quit on the route accidentally and it yeah, was picked right, off. Yeah, right, right. But he did a one of his catches was impressive because it was a laser from Brady and he caught the back of the ball. And I know those gloves help, but they don't help to the point where you're going to snatch a laser out of the air. And that's what he did. So he showed flashes. It just look when a game like that goes sideways, no one's going to stand out for the Buccaneers. No, that's right. You're right. It's hard to get in a rhythm as an offense. You know, their game plan was taken away. They had to play a game that they did not want to play. But I'm still amazed with how he looked. Definitely. You know, and you talked about, hey, that's that's a new guy in a new offense. He got him. He wasn't sure of the read. You know, sometimes with those type of plays, it's like, hey, if the DB's close to you and press on you, you run the go route. If he's playing off of you a little, we want you to stop and hook it up. And he kind of got an in-between look. And that's, you know, again, that's part of when you talk about chemistry between a quarterback and a receiver, nuances of an offense. They'll learn. They'll figure that out, certainly. But, man, for a guy who hasn't played in forever, uh, he still looked pretty damn good to me. I mean, still can run, was open deep one time with Brady, kind of underthrew him. They had the fourth down where Brady tried to throw to Gronk down the middle, remember, and just missed it on the long fourth, the fourth and short throw. Uh, man, Antonio Brown was wide open next to him. Um, so, yeah, good signs, and we'll see if they can learn how to kind of infuse him in the offense more and more. They got their work cut out for them because now they have to make up a game in the standings and actually two games in the standings the rest of the way because they have to get ahead of the Saints if they want to win that division. That relies on the Saints losing some games. They did not look like a team that was ready to lose any games last night. Dancing in the locker room, Sean Payton into it. We have the video of Payton. Oh, yeah. The players. Oh, there he is. Oh. Sean Payton. <laughs> that's not oh, bad. That's awesome. That's, that's not bad. Good. Okay, that was all right. He doesn't have hey, as much rhythm as Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, but he's pretty good. Let me tell you this. Uh, when, when my son saw that last night, his observation was, Man, the visiting team's locker room at the Tampa Bay Stadium sucks. No, I mean, do you, you see the roof right there? Can they put, what do they got, like asbestos <laughs> hanging from the roof now? Is that what they're doing? Hey, what's your what's your tactical advantage when teams come here? We poison them to death with asbestos. Ah, oh, man. Well, and, and, and also, also, we're in a pandemic. I don't see any masks. No. And I see guys uh, crammed together. But, Celebration uh, hey, time. so be it. Yeah. So be it. Sometimes emotions take over, and uh, that's what happens. Things people sleep on. I like this. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. That's good. I like it. Hey, hey, look. I, 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 unlike you, have already admitted that 
Drew Brees is one of the five best all time. You won't put him there. I will put him there. No. And uh, there, and look, somebody went into the Wikipedia page. Oh, that's Can't great. Buccaneers. They, they are, are owned, owned by, by the, the New Orleans, Orleans Saints. Saints. That's awesome. That's why. That that. Listen. That's. I'm sorry. I'll do respect to Wikipedia. I have never relied on Wikipedia for a damn thing. I don't know why it even still exists because anybody can go in there and change anything anytime they want. It's all as false as whoever has. But they last will change it. The they page. will get changed. It will get changed by today. I bet you. I bet you by the end of the day that is changed. But it's like it's like graffiti on a wall. I yes. don't trust a wall full of graffiti. I don't know when it's true and when it's not true. Well, yeah. The, hey, how, welcome how, to social how many, media how many in of, America. No. Okay. Well, I know, yeah. but but it's not. I know when I was a kid and I had that encyclopedia, the World Book encyclopedia on the shelf i knew that nobody had come in at night and scratched it out and put something else in there until somebody else comes along and fixes it that's all i'm saying yeah I got did you, you did you have encyclopedias or you're you're way too young for i mean that. you're a, probably do, in that range i mean i remember encyclopedias. encyclopedias i mean as i've proven to you with our four years of wor work i obviously didn't read them very much so i mean but yes i mean we had one hanging around the house you know dad had one of those you know, small little offices in the house where he never really sat in any, you know, and did any work. But there was books and bookshelves there. There was something there. <laughs> the the yeah, we were having some fun with you last week, and I can't remember why. It was because of something that you said. The uh, the the Friends episode where Joey buys one book of the encyclopedia. He buys the V, and he becomes an expert in hey, all things V. All things because V. Because he couldn't afford he couldn't afford the other <laughs> the other great. books corresponding to the other letters. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a couple of big games yesterday, consequential games, Bills back on the right track and the sneaky great game of the day, 1 versus 1, Kyler versus Tua. An, an incredible outcome in Phoenix. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. Oh, what do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. These guys didn't even try to run the football today. You know, we didn't expect that to happen. We didn't think they would just totally abandon the running game. And uh, um, we had a real nice plan if they were going to run it. Um, so um, we, we have to be able to adapt better uh, to make sure that we can we can turn it around faster, you know. It's easy to admit you got outcoached on a day when you got a new extension, I guess. Pete Carroll, congratulations on the extension. But you guessed wrong, right? And that's one of the great aspects of football. As a defense, can you predict what the offense is going to do and how do you premise your game plan? And they premised it on the Bills trying to run, which because they had success last week, I guess, Chris, to a certain extent, running the ball against the Patriots, the Seahawks concluded that they would go run heavy again, that they'd flex their muscle and the, the Bills set them up. I, I, that, that's one of the things I love about football. Every game plan is different for the good coaches. Every snowflake is unique. And the Bills found a way to not run all over the Seahawks, but pass all over the Seahawks. And Josh Allen gets reestablished as, I wouldn't quite say an MVP candidate yet, but he's no. on the fringes again. Right. Russell Wilson took a shot to his MVP candidacy, not just the loss. 
but also four turnovers. Are you kidding me? Four yeah. turnovers for Russell Wilson yesterday, but it's all a product of the pressure they put on, and that's what Coach Sean McDermott told me after the game. They just got after him. They put as much pressure as they could on him, and they trusted that it would either result in sacks or mistakes by Russell Wilson, and, oh, it resulted in both. Well, you know, these guys are going to – both of these guys, Russell Wilson Josh Allen, they're going to have a game like this every now and then. I mean, when, when the game is all about just the quarterback and, hey, quarterback, we're not really good at anything – so you guys have to do everything. You know, that's a lot. It, you know, Tony Dungy, Coach Dungy brought it up last night. There's just a, too much asked of one guy all the time to where, yeah, he just has a little bit of an off day or one, gets a little unlucky and all of a sudden the game snowballs out of control. We haven't seen that from Seattle, you know, and Russell Wilson very often, but the two losses, that's the one thing they got in common. You know, it was the fact that Russell was a little careless with the football, certainly. But, you know, they ask a lot of them. And you got to be able to kind of take the ebb and flow of that to a degree. Now, back to, like, Pete Carroll. I, I mean, Pete Carroll couldn't have expected them to just run the ball or be run heavy. I'm, gu I'm guessing he meant, like, I just thought they would run it more. But why would they? You know, first off, they ran it against New England last week because New England has no defensive tackles. Seattle's defense stinks, but the only good thing they're good at is stopping the run. And Buffalo's like, wait, yeah, you're kind of good at stopping the run. You're the worst we've ever seen at stopping the pass. So we are going to drop back and throw the ball every freaking play. And yes, man, did Josh Allen and company make so many plays in the pass game. And this is what's scary about the Seattle Seahawks. You know, it really is. You know, they got a team that can really throw the ball and protect just enough to where they can't man-to-man -man or play or, or cover anybody down the field. And Josh Allen and the Bills just absolutely assaulted them with the pass game all day long. Um, and, and good for Josh Allen and company getting back on the, on the right track. And they got out to the big lead, and then the Seahawks tried to make it interesting. They cut it down to seven points before the Bills put the pedal back to the metal with a couple of touchdowns and essentially put it away. And, you know, it's one of the – one of the detriments not having your fans present because if the Bills had been up 41 oh, or gosh. 20, what was it, 20, the worst of it was 24-7. That, that's it. It's lights out. It's night-night because the crowd's not going to let you get back into it. It got to 27-10 to 10 also. But, uh, you know, you got to give the Seahawks credit. They never quit. They never stopped. But yesterday was just one of those days where it just wasn't going to matter. Josh Allen was spectacular. And Josh Allen had that, that, that different kind of motivation that comes from a, a personal – tragedy his grandmother passed on Saturday McDermott told me after the game that he he say he gave Josh the option to not play he said he wanted to play he was able to compartmentalize that was the key word that McDermott used set it aside focus on football and and then very emotional after the game in the locker room and uh taking care of family business now but but Allen wanted to play and he played incredibly well and it was their best game arguably since the win over the Rams, although they they let the Rams back into that one. That was one of those, wow, Josh Allen's an MVP. I mean, the first four weeks, every week, it was wow, 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 wow. Yeah. And then they they got punched in the mouth by the Titans that brought them back down to earth. Then they lose to the Chiefs, and that, that kind of cemented the fact that there's a gap between them and the best teams in the AFC. And they've been kind of gradually working their way out of that hole. Yesterday was when they stuck their head out and looked around and realized, hey, you know what? Maybe we can play with the best teams in the league. Yeah, well, I, I think there's some things to be learned. I mean, obviously, hey, Tennessee, they, they caught them, you know, they were on an off night, Buffalo. It just wasn't their best football. It wasn't as bad as what the score was made out to be. And then, again, you know, the Chiefs game, it was there to be had. The Bills were winning in the fourth quarter of that football game, or at least in the third quarter, I believe, if I remember correctly. You know, a lot of people have been getting on Josh Allen the last few weeks. Oh, you know, had the MVP start and now these last four games. Okay, yeah, they played some pretty good teams. I mean, I, I don't understand. The Jets? Yeah, well, okay, they won. I mean, it doesn't matter. They won by they won 18 to 10. It wasn't beautiful. Right, I'm just giving they you beat the Patriots, but no, I mean, it's just like we, we act like, you know, it, you know, sometimes with Josh Allen, again, he just never given a free pass. It's as soon as he faltered, it was like everybody's got to show, look at the first four games, he was awesome. The second four games, even though they went two and two, he was just good, not awesome. But we have to find a way to crap on him a little bit just because he's Josh Allen. And that's just stupid. It just shows you, you know, but he's very talented. That was awesome to watch yesterday. The Bills, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say they're 
you know, the best team in the AFC, but you can see they're certainly dangerous and they can, Sean McDermott can just get the defense to be somewhat respectable after some of those early season flaws we saw. You know, they might have a say in this one all said and done. No doubt about it. Now, the Bills aren't going to be playing every team oh, every week, a team that lets you no. convert third and 72. Right. Uh, which the Seahawks will do multiple times, Chris. Yeah, well, no, you're right. They're not going to they're, – they're, the Bills, that was a good matchup for them yesterday and the fact that, yeah, they, they're going to be able to throw the ball at will. There's not great, great pass rushers on the Seattle Seahawks. So Josh Allen could avoid people, extend plays, do all of those type of things. But either way, it's still a very dangerous offense. And they'll try to continue to work on being more balanced with the offensive run game and all those things too. But they had to throw the ball yesterday. I mean, some of those looks that Seattle gives you, they're begging you to throw it. You know, all the people at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Josh Allen made a lot of big plays against all-out blitz like, hey, we're just going to play no safety in the middle of the field. It's going to be four one-on-ones. And, you know, Seattle is not capable of ca covering that group that long. You know, between the pass interference at the end of the game with Jamal Adams, the third and 15 screen pass behind the line of scrimmage to John Brown for a huge play, those were all-out cover zero type blitzes where Josh Allen, Brian Dayball caught the Seahawks in the perfect defense, and um, it was really a really well-thought-out game plan, and they attacked. And good for them going back to the, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it method. Why run the ball if you're just gashing them with 15- and 20-yard passes all the time? Don't let them off the hook. And I thought that was kind of cool how they kept the pressure on them that way. Then there was the game that was tucked into the late afternoon window, second tier to Cowboys-Steelers, which actually ended up being a better game than we would have imagined. Definitely. But that, got, that was the Tony Romo-Jim Nance game, but it was Kyler Murray against Tua Tonga-Vailoa for the first time. And they won't get together again for four more years unless they meet in a Super Bowl. And who knows? Maybe they will. But that was an exciting game. The Dolphins pull off the victory 34-31. to I would say that Tua's audition went pretty well on Sunday. He got an incomplete week one. He got an A-plus for week two. Here's Kyler Murray after the game, though. Not happy with the outcome in his first-ever NFL meeting against Tua. Tyler, this is really a tough loss for you guys at home. How do you process this, and how do you move forward from here? Uh, hold on. Um, yeah. Should I be better? We came out here and laid an egg. Um, I, I don't know, but it's, I don't know. We gotta be better. Hey, look, I, I I love Kyler, and he's not used to losing. He he, even last year when the Cardinals were much worse than they are this year, and they went through some growing pains early. He you know. He didn't want to accept losing. That's the thing. We see these great college quarterbacks come to the NFL and they realize you will lose games. You will lose games. It doesn't matter who you are. Look at Tom Brady last night. You will lose games. You will get blown out from time to time. Yeah. That's what makes the wins all that more memorable and something to cherish and get excited and dance in the locker room over. But yeah, great players are all over the place. And, and uh, you know, every time it feels like the Cardinals are – are, yeah. are really start to take off. Right. That's when they that's when they hit that ceiling and they come up against somebody that knows how to slow them down. Now 31 points isn't nearly slowing them down, but that's what makes the Dolphins so fascinating right now. If they need to score points with Tua, they can. But they also can create points with their defense and they can slow you down with their defense. They're not going to slow everyone down. You can't slow down Kyler, but you can still outscore him, and that's what the Dolphins were able to do, Chris. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, you know, they did a, a, a good job on Kyler, especially early on in the football game. Uh, but Kyler is just a phenomenal specimen of a player. He's, he's really – it's hard to bottle him up. It, I don't know what else to say. I mean, again, I mean, his acceleration and his ability to, oh, I'm in the pocket – 
here's a little seam for me to hit and go zero to 100 in three steps. And then some of the cool quarterback design runs that they had for Kyler Murray yesterday, too. I mean, they were well thought out. I mean, he's tough to defend. You know, he will make the defenses have to do things they don't want to do, but because it's Kyler Murray, he really forces the issue that way. Hey, Dolphins made a play early on, but after that, it was a shootout to to a degree. And and Tua to bring it to him. I mean, yeah, that was great to see. It really was because we didn't get to see anything in Week One. But the Dolphins doing things too that really fit him and his game, and also just a good way to bring him along early on in his career. I mean, anybody who watched the game yesterday, there was only three things he did. He threw screens every now and then, but bootlegs, and he's because he's great throwing on the run and he's athletic that way. And then just go routes down the sideline because he's got great touch and feel to put the ball in the right spot, whether that's Preston Williams or Devontae Parker or whatever, to go up and get the ball. And that's really what they did. They've kind of made the game simple that way. Hey, he's a young quarterback. Let's run the football just a little. Oh, they're trying to stop the run. We'll run the boots. Oh, we have one-on-one out here. He's got good feel to throw back shoulders or lead the guy down the field or throw it up 50-50-wise. Let's not make the game complicated. And I think that's, you know, emboldened him too, Mike, you know, to feel like, okay, I'm in the rhythm of the game. And then he started to make plays that were off schedule as the game went on. And we saw some of those cool runs that helped them win the football game ultimately. Four straight wins since uh, starting the season at uh, one and two, and actually they were 0 and two, so they're five and one. Yeah. Since back-to-back losses to AFC East rivals, and and look, they they gave the Seahawks everything they could handle. They beat the 49ers. They beat the Rams. They beat the Cardinals. They're three and one, Chris, against the NFC West, the yeah. best division supposedly in football. The Dolphins have almost entirely owned them. Uh, and the Dol- and their losses, you know, Patriots week one, Cam Newton, we haven't seen this offense before. Buffalo Bills, who, yeah, this just in, they're not the best team in football, but they're damn good. They're 6-2 and two, and just stomped on the Seattle Seahawks, who a lot of people got in the Super Bowl in the NFC. And then... You know, the other, yeah, the, and, and then, you know, of course, they lost to Seattle in a close football game where it was there to be had. So there's a lot to like. I, again, the team was, this is why they made the move. It wasn't about auditioning Tua at any point. No, they drafted Tua. They wanted to work. They hired an offensive coordinator that it makes sense with him and Tua and everything about it. So there is something there to be had. But like we talked about when they made the switch, they made the switch because they said, damn, we're kind of getting good. And we could maybe go on a run here and we don't want to end up being nine and three and then trying to have a conversation about what do we do? Should we pull the plug on Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua? And then it's just a disaster. So they did the right thing here. And yet they've managed to still win two games with Tua while bringing him along and that goes to the credit to Shan Gailey and Brian Flores and everything they're doing down there. I mean, Miami is one of those teams right now that you just put stars next to their organization. They've made all the right moves the last two years and uh, can't say enough good things about them. And five assistant coaches weren't available yesterday for Brian Flores because right. they landed on the COVID-19 reserve list uh, as the NFL continues to be extra sensitive with its protocols. Let's let's go ahead and get the bingo ready. Control room, I don't care. Next week, it's Tua versus Justin Herbert. How about that, Chris? Now, the Chargers are desperate. Thank you. The Chargers are desperate, but they are not horrible. Uh, at Denver the following week, at the Jets, Cincinnati Bengals, and Joe Burrow yeah. coming up week 13. Are you kidding me? Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, then a rematch with the Patriots, at the Raiders, and at the Bills. And when you consider what they've done the last month of the season, I think the Dolphins are in great position down the stretch to challenge the Bills atop the division and at a minimum, Chris, to get a wild-card berth and help seal the deal that the Patriots aren't getting in this year. Yeah, they could be the the final force for the Patriots. You're right. I mean, it could come down to that Week 15 matchup with New England. But I know when you look at the schedule there, you sit there and you go, they most likely will be favorites in the next, what, four games? They have a chance to end to be sitting here in a few weeks, nine and three. I mean, they really do. We'll see where it goes, but they got a lot of things to like about their football team, and there are a lot of things on that football team that are playoff caliber too. This is not just like, you know, as we've mentioned, some team that got lucky 
or the schedule fell right and they got to play all these teams where, yeah, they match up well or the teams aren't good or their best player got hurt. They've had none of that. You know, there is, there is redeeming qualities across the roster, let alone good coaching, and they're here to stay. And not just this year, but get used to it because Miami, I think, is here for the next few years with what you know Chris Greer and Brian Flores have done as far as flipping this team around and over and all the young players they got on the team right now. Got to take a break. When we return, the Steelers dodge a bullet down in Texas. We'll talk about the great rivalry that was better than expected yesterday between Pittsburgh and Dallas. We'll be back with more PFT Live right now. We got a group that sticks together, man, a group that's that's mentally tough and is able to persevere, and, and I'm thankful for that. Um, but obviously, we can't keep having these conversations every week um, because one of these weeks we'll be doing it with an L if we're not careful. It is amazing the Steelers have gotten to 8-0 and with very few blowout victories. The win over the Browns, 38-7, the only one that stands out. Every other game could have gone the other way, yeah. and they just keep winning. The, the team has never been 8-0 and in franchise history. They are now. It was not easy yesterday, and it felt for a while like the Cowboys were going to win the game. And, and you just can't have that. When you're a team as good as the Steelers and you're playing a team that is that bad in the Cowboys and Garrett Gilbert is their quarterback, Garrett Gilbert, all due respect, are you kidding me? Garrett Gilbert, they let that team hang around as long as they did. They only win by five points. That That's... Yeah, that's not encouraging concerning. but at no. the same time they got the win no. that's all that matters they I got know. the win no I, I i get it but i i think the the lesson is is like what mike tomlin said we can't keep like flirting with danger this way you know they've they've let too many teams that are not on their level hang around they don't put them away you know what i understand listen you come off some big wins there's going to be some letdowns in the nfl and you're playing another team that is as desperate as can be they do have some good football players on there and the coaching staff's motivated because it's all bad. It's so the, the yeah, that's that's life in the NFL. Pittsburgh was asleep. I don't know other way to say it. I mean, Dallas kind of dominated the line of scrimmage and was able to run the ball. They kind of dink and dunked with the pass game on the Pittsburgh defense. But you know, ultimately, Pittsburgh's defense made a few plays in the game, got them the turnover before the half, got the turnovers in the end zone. You know, did some of that, and slowly Big Ben in the passing game figured out how to attack Dallas. That's the problem with Pittsburgh too, Mike. In these type of games, they can't run the football, so they can never dominate the line of scrimmage and do play-action passes or anything like that, and it's hard for them to put teams away or control teams because of that aspect. One thing to keep an eye on, Ben Roethlisberger left the game for a short period of time with a knee injury, so as the week unfolds, let's watch the injury report and let's see if there may be a bigger issue there. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 